Good to see each other this evening. The Lord brought out this way. Uh, Paul, Apostle Paul, of course, when we say that, we know it's the word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But four different times he made a statement, something like, it is a faithful saying. I'd like to look at those. Of course, this is not the only faithful sayings, but I would like to, to look at those. <clears throat> and that word faithful, uh, if we look it up in the Greek, uh, it's pronounced something like pizdos, and it means trustworthy, trustful, believe, faithful, sure, true. So he makes a statement. And he either precedes it or follows it up with, this is a faithful saying. It's, it's, tr it's trustworthy. It's truthful. Believe. Faithful. Sure. True. It's very important. It's, it's valuable. It's, it's worthy of acceptance. So, of course, he said more than four things that would uh, qualify under that. But we'll look at those four things uh, this evening. And in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, we will begin there, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, let's start in verse 12, 1 Timothy 1, 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, and that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. And a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So this is a faithful and true saying. It's very important. It's valuable. It's trustworthy. And he said, he said, I was before, he said, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor. Injurious. That's what he was when he was Saul of Tarsus. He said, but he received mercy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. So in, uh, and we'll probably stay here in, in Timothy and, and uh, uh, a little bit, but in Acts chapter 8, it seems that Paul never really forgave himself. But think of that for a moment, though. Now, we have brothers, sisters in Christ of this body, but if a short time ago you had been killing and beating and, and mistreating and so forth, and now all of a sudden you're one of us. Uh, 
probably look in the eye of people that you had their relatives beat and put in prison and maybe killed. And now he's, he's uh, uh, one of you. Uh, it would be difficult forgiving yourself of that, wouldn't it? But anyway, so he said, he said, he came to save sinners whom he said, I, I'm chief. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 3. For Saul, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. He was going out. He would have, I guess, made a very good detective. And, and he was very serious of this. And I know, uh, you know, detectives, they go ask people questions and interview people and everything like that and try to dig out who was part of this uh, uh, followers of this doctrine that didn't believe that the Mosaic Law was the way. And so he, he knew this. He didn't understand it, but he knew that doctrine. He could, he, he, could, uh, he could recognize that teaching. And he would go house to house or wherever and, and getting these people and having put in prison, killed and stoned and everything. Uh, and he certainly didn't believe what they were teaching at that time. But he said, oh, he said, the Lord came to save sinners whom I'm chief. There's nobody any worse than what I was. Acts chapter 9 and verse uh, 4. This is when the Lord you know, blinded him. And, and of course, this study of the ninth chapter is very uh, enjoyable studying. Is it the picture of all of us, really? Acts uh, 9 and, and verse 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Whom art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the goads. So Jesus had already been crucified. And now Apostle Paul, uh, you know, he was, he was still busy going, trying to, find, trying to identify, trying to find these people that believed in Jesus, trying to find these people that... They didn't believe that the law was the way, but they believed Jesus was the way. And so he was, he was seriously trying to find them. And when he did, have them bound and put in prison and stoned and killed. But when Jesus came to him, he said, no, I'm the one you're persecuting. You do it to one of these little ones, you're doing it as unto me. Again, just on a physical level, just... Think about uh, uh, how hard that would be to, to see one's self. So uh, uh, he says, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And I, we don't have a record of anyone being any more zealous or fruitful in the persecution of the church than Paul than Saul. There may have been others, but what we have record of, he was the chief. Wasn't anyone more guilty than what he was. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
and verse 9. Now, again, Paul said that Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. So, 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Again, now knowing what he did, but when he was doing it, can't you see how he thought he was doing God a favor? Uh, he didn't feel that Jesus and these followers were worshiping God, that they were against God, that the things that he did was of Beelzebub, those miracles. And again, they wasn't looking to the law as a way of salvation. They were looking to this, what they saw as a man, Jesus. And that's, that's what he saw, that's what he believed. And he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was betrothed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but by the grace of God, which was with me. So he says uh, a very famous uh, saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We know what he was. He was the chief of the sinners. And it wasn't by his works or his choices or his decision that he was brought out of that. It was by, as he said, and his grace. I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me. His grace. And I think I mentioned this morning after services we were talking, I heard a song yesterday. Uh, it was Amazing Grace. And uh, just a, a beautiful uh, rendition of that. And there was a, uh, someone and a lot of backup singers, and then the volume would come up. And just... Just beautiful, amazing grace. And I was thinking, how many people, how many religious people, have no idea what grace is? They're, they're completely blinded to it. Betty, they don't, they don't have a clue about grace. They'll, they'll sing that song, no doubt, but then still believe it's up to them. And see, that's what Saul believed. It was up to his abilities in keeping this law and everything. And that's what people believe today. And Paul didn't believe in amazing grace when he was Saul. But now, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, he said, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. But then he says, listen to what he says, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You'll never hear Paul glorifying himself. As he was led by the Holy Spirit, he glorified the Lord. Uh, 
And then verse uh, 11. Therefore, whether it were I or they, we preach, and so they believed. So he's talking about this, this preaching of the gospel uh, that was bestowed on him by grace. Uh, he says, therefore, it doesn't make any difference whether I or they. So we preach, and so ye believed. Verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith also in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised, uh, whom he, whom he raised not up, if there be... If so be that the dead rise not. So we're, we're preaching about the importance of the resurrection of Christ being raised from the dead. But if, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then we're just preaching falsely. 16, for the dead rise not, then is not uh, uh, Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. If Christ didn't raise, if he didn't die and shed his blood and go to the grave and not raise, you're still dead in your sins. Your sins are not paid for. Then they also who are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So, talking about the resurrection of Christ, and of course this is a, a, a faithful saying as well, but he was also, again, persecuting Christ, but here now what he's preaching, by the grace of God, he's, this is what I was. Chief of sinners, this is what I was. Buddy, we kind of talked about that. But this is what we were. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Again, how many in the world are blinded to that? And they think we are what we are by our works, by what we do, by our decisions by our, our free will, that we're free more agents. That's what they believe. And, and Paul says, it's, it's not I, but the, but the grace of God. But that's what he was. And now certainly uh, believes and teaches in Christ's resurrection to save sinners. And of course, uh, that's, but that's what he was, and that's the story of Saul but again, he gives God the honor and glory for all of what I am. I am by the grace of God. Again, there's that hell, there's that amazing grace again. And to think, to people like us and others like us, 
that he would give this to us. He would reveal his grace to us. I, uh, not too long ago, was, had the opportunity to talk to some, and one person was uh, very touched by what I had to say. And uh, she says, well, she says, uh, and she just couldn't say enough about Grace and how she loved grace and how she was raised in grace and everything and how she loved the doctrines of grace. And then after she remarried, her husband was of another, well, uh, I can't think what it was now. Uh, anyway, a, uh, another denomination, and she really missed grace. Uh, I pray that we would never leave grace for anything like that, but nevertheless, but amazing grace. And again, so many, they miss the whole thing about grace. It's up to what we do and our decisions and our choices. They have no business singing amazing grace, no business at all. Certainly they can't have the joy that we have whenever we sing and hear the song uh, amazing grace. So there, uh, Paul talked about... Uh, uh, it's a, a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance and everything. So now in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, verse, starting in verse 6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And, and let me just state this. Being a minister of Christ doesn't, isn't exclusively, exclusively for those standing behind the pulpit. You also are ministers of Christ. Uh, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith, and of good doctrine unto which thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto goodliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godly, godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of a life. Now, uh, that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. So this bodily uh, exercise, and I think Philippians, the third chapter, is a good place to look at that. Uh, where Paul talks, when he says, I'm the chief of sinners, he talks about when he was. Before the grace of God brought him out of that, he talks about this bodily exercise that he, uh, he trusted in, believed in. And uh, Philippians 3 and uh, us go to verse 3, I guess, or maybe verse 2. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit 
and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So, of course, the circumcision here, well, that's another study in, in its own. It's not talking about a physical circumcision, but have no confidence in the flesh. And again, as we talked about those that sing Amazing Grace and have no idea what it's talking about, they have confidence in the flesh. It's up to them. And they have many, many steps. They may say there's one way, but you take the first step. You make the right decision. You turn over a new leaf. You hold on faithful to the end. It goes on and on and on. But it says, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. This is this bodily exercise that he was talking about in, in Timothy. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh, that reason for which he might trust in flesh, I am more. So he's going to tell about his past when he was chief among sinners. This is what he believed, and this is why he went after those that professed Christ as the way. So here's this bodily exercise. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, see, he considered that a good thing. Bodily exercise. Concerning the zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. That's what he believed in when he is solved Tarsus. That's what he believed in when he was chief among sinners. And any that didn't believe in that, he persecuted. Uh, so this is what he was uh, talking about. And let's go back there to that uh, uh, 1 Timothy 4 again. But that's what he's speaking about, 1 Timothy 4 and... Uh, Let's see, four and verse, uh, well, we, we started in verse six. Uh, let's just read it again. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up uh, in the words of faith and the good doctrine unto which thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' tables, fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance. So he's talking about life now and life to come. We know life to come, and we may talk about it a little bit. We know about the, we know a little, as much as we can understand about life to come, about eternal life with our Lord. We, we, as much as our mind can, can grasp that and understand that we know a little about that. What about in this life here? Standing up for grace? You know you're criticized. Well, you're saying you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, 
they want to give all the honor and glory to man. But if you stand up for grace, you, you'll suffer for that in different ways. We're not persecuted the way they were uh, back then. We don't have Saul running around doing that. So how's that? So how does standing up for grace? How's that? We know how to profit us in the future. How's that profit us now? Well, I can go to bed tonight, and if the thoughts of not waking up, I know where my eternity will be. That's because of grace. If it's because I wonder if I did this wrong, I wonder if I've done enough, I wonder this. See, that's not, that's not grace. That's trusting in man. But by trusting in grace and suffering with him in that respect, we profit now. We profit now. Have that joy. I, I, I went through a period of time not knowing where I was going to go. Well, in fact, I kind of did know. I thought I didn't know, and that's what was so worrisome. Although I can't do all those things. So I thought I knew where I was going, and, and that wasn't a good place. But now that he has caused me to see his grace, so we have as profitable now and in life to come. So he said, that's, that is a, uh, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Talking about uh, now and life to come and eternal life. So now in uh, 2 Timothy, we have another uh, faithful saying. And again, I'm not saying the rest of us not, but he calls attention to some of these things. In uh, 2 Timothy... And uh, chapter 2, and let's start in verse 11. It is a faithful saying. Again, this is a trustworthy saying. This is very important. Uh, believe this. It's sure. It's true. It is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Gosh, is that not a valuable truth about grace? Uh, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So I didn't always believe. But yet, he's faithful for his sheep. Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, didn't always believe. But the Lord is faithful to his sheep. And he cannot deny himself. Verse uh, 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to subverting of the hearts. In 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I've heard it. I'm pretty sure you've heard it. You study to show God you're approved. Now, beloved, I want you to study. That is, uh, that is 
something that we share, fellowship around the word of the Lord. And I want you to study. And I want you to pray for me that I study. Pray for one another that we study. But it's not to show God that you're proved. Study to show ourselves that we're proved of God. And whenever we study by His grace, if He calls us to see His grace, then we see that we are approved of God by His grace and by His mercy. So that is the, uh, the, the, the study. Uh, but it says, uh, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. We will reign. We will live with him. We don't give ourselves honor and glory. At one time, we looked, we looked to other things, but we did it in ignorance. But we, uh, we study, and we see that we are approved of God. We see how we're approved of God by his grace and his mercy and his plan of salvation. But it says, uh, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And remember, this starts out, it's a faithful saying. This is a faithful saying that we'll reign with him. We will live with him. We'll live with him. We'll reign with him. And let me just take a moment. Let's go to Revelations uh, chapter, well, let's go to 21 first. To just, just pause for a moment. What that means. We'll live with him by his grace. And uh, this is familiar. We don't read it a lot. But what it means, or what it will mean. And we have comfort now, realizing this. But yet when it comes to, to, to pass, we'll reign with him. We'll live with him. Revelation 21, let's go all the way down to verse 22. And I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did light it, and the Lamb is the lamp of it. And the nations of them who are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations unto it. And there shall no way enter into it anything that defileth, neither he that worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Didn't we sing? Was that tonight or this morning? My name's written there, I think. Uh, I can't remember if that's tonight or, or this morning. But our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We'll live and we'll reign with him. Be no need of the, the sun or the moon. And again, we, we think on this, but how much can our minds actually comprehend this? Living and reign with him. And then in chapter 22, let's just continue down there. So this is living and reigning with him. 
verse 1 of 22, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, <coughs> was there the tree of life, which bore twelve kinds of fruits, and yielded their fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. <coughs> of course, there's much more to this than face value, but the face value, what a blessing it is to even think on this, that we'll live and reign with him. Verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. <coughs> Betty talks about what a joy it'd be even to be a, a, a doorkeeper. And, and wouldn't it be? And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, no more darkness. And they need no lamp, neither light of the sun. For the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. This is a true and faithful saying, to live and reign with him. And again, it's by grace. We can't, you can't leave that grace out of there. And not just saying the word, but understanding that grace, it is an unmerited <coughs> favor. And it's a superior bowing to an inferior. That's what, that's what grace is. And then we see it again in the book of Titus. And let's go back there. Uh, book of Titus, <coughs> chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, and let's start in verse 3. And we'll see the words faithful here as well, but uh, Titus 3 and 3. For we also ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Paul says, he admits, says, says, we, we were all there. I was there, foolish, disobedient, serving various lusts and pleasures. Now, again, don't let our minds be taken away by what the world would teach. We already read what Paul was teaching. He told us when he was uh, 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 Saul of Tarsus what he trusted in. Trust in the, in the letter of the law. Touching the law is that I'm right. I, if anybody has reason to, to think of themselves, I've got, I've got more reason. That's what he believed in. And that's what he's talking about here. said, we ourselves were once there. Foolish, disobedient, deceived. Oh, did Satan have him deceived? He thought he was doing so much good for God. As the world today. As the world today. They think they're doing so much good for God. And what are they doing? Blaspheming him and the son by saying, we're going to do it by what we do. Uh, for we ourselves 
were once foolish, disobedient, deceived. That's when he was chief among sinners. Serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. Well, what's he talking about? After this uh, uh, kindness and love of God. He's talking about grace and mercy. Back when I used to trust in the law and everything and, and serving and, and deceived and serving that. But after mercy and grace or after the loving, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. Talking to an individual today and a blessing to to hear and realize that. But they didn't see this. They heard, they'd heard these words, but it didn't mean anything to them. So it just went over their head. And then all of a sudden, in God's time, their eyes were opened, and the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. Then they saw it was no way for us. There's, there's, there's none good. There's none righteous. No, not one. No way for us. And when you see there's no way for us, and I tell people, what do you, what do, you do? You see, well, you know, I can't do this, and I can't do everything they say to do. I say, well, give up. <laughs> because you can't make it on your own. So after, we, after the Lord calls us to see, and we give that up, realize there's no way, that's when the loving kindness of God our Savior towards man appeared. And he goes on, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. And most or a large portion of the religious world, this is what they believe. It's the works of righteousness that we have done. Taking that first step, praying through, turning over a new leaf, doing the best we can, holding on faithful to the end. It's all, that's, that's what they all look to. But he says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Grace and mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace. And boy, I don't know how many times the word grace is in the scriptures. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. Being justified by his grace, and again, by his grace. Been made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. By his grace, and again, and I love that song, Amazing Grace. I'm grateful that he has caused us to understand grace and realize that, that uh it's because of what he did, because of his plan of salvation, because of his grace, not because of anything that we have done. That being justified by his grace, be made heirs. Again, 
living and reigning with him eternal. In that place we read just a little about. Being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And then it goes on. Uh, I'll read the rest of verse 8. This is a faithful saying, And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they who have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So good works. And I've never said anything against good works. But if we think we need to understand what these good works are and what they're for. So we can talk about good works. We can have a conversation about good works. It's, it's important to, uh, 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 to continue in these good works. It's, it's profitable. And buddy, you, you and I have talked about before, what is good works? We give them uh, the good that the Lord has given us. His grace, his mercy, his plan of salvation giving honor and glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it talks about these good works, and then listen to what it says. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contention and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Genealogies, I, there's, well, there are people, and I've heard some, you have to be able to trace your genealogies back. Maybe whether you trace them or not, but they have to go all the way back to Abraham. Ours, my connection to Abraham's in another manner is through Jesus Christ. But he said, don't avoid foolish questions about these genealogies. That's not the way of salvation. That's not the way you're made heirs by genealogies, but it says something else. But avoid foolish questions after talking about good works, or a good and profitable unto men, these good works. Avoid foolish questions about genealogies and contention and striving about the law, for they're unprofitable and vain. The law, the law of Moses. Again, the religious world, that's what they worship. Well, in that, they're worshiping man through their abilities. And, and you talk to them, you say, well, can you keep them? 600 and some of them? Can you keep 10 of them? And the answer, I'll never forget this. Well, I believe if you just do the best you can, you know, it doesn't really make any difference whether you believe that or not. That doesn't make it so because you believe that. But it says avoid that. So we don't teach the law as the way. Now, the spirit of the law, there's the letter of the law, and there's the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is, uh, is all pointing to and teaching about Jesus Christ. All the sacrifices, the priesthood, uh, the gold and silver, and, and, and redemption money, and atonement money, all that is pointing to Jesus Christ, those things in law. So the spirit of the law uh, certainly is very valuable. But contention about the letter of the law said, 
it's unprofitable and vain. So these things are, uh, uh, are faithful and worthy uh, sayings. Again, he had more than four of them, but the four that was mentioned, uh, that Paul mentioned in that manner. So, you know, it starts out about the eternal salvation as uh, the free uh, gift of God. And talks about the, uh, the value of now and to come. Suffer with him, live with him. And uh, it tells about, Titus talks about the good works that he will cause us to do. So as you look at these four faithful sayings, they're kind of linked together. Again, the root of salvation is free grace. That's what he starts talking about is, is, is grace. And next, in the next one that we looked at, the privileges of salvation, now and to come. Faithful sayings. Suffering with Christ and serving with Christ. So I pray that we treasure up these true and faithful sayings and let them be your comfort. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.